All right, good morning. Welcome to Wisdom for Dissidents. Uh, we have some guests here, so uh, what we're going through is we're going through uh, Jeff Meyer's book, Wisdom for Dissidents, and it's about the book of James. Um, and we're coming to the tail end. I believe next week is going to be the last class. I've been saying that for a long time. <laughs> um, I, 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 my wife asked me yesterday, how many more classes? And I said, two more. And she goes, you've been saying that for four weeks. I was like, well, two more. I believe it's going to be two more. Um, we're in James 5, and I'll be reading this morning, verses 7 through 12. And uh, then we're going to recap a little bit of what we've been discussing recently. Um, and then we'll get to the topic of James 5, 7 through 12. And we might not get through all of it. Once again, this class is open to, um, to, to discussion, so if Johnny and Darlene you have anything you want to interject, please feel free to speak up, raise your hand, or however you're most comfortable. James 5. And I forgot my glasses again. <laughs> Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he received the early and latter rain. Verse 8. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door, uh, standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering and affliction and patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. We have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful and, uh, and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. God's word. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this book of James. I thank you for Jeff Meyer's work on it, and I pray that you would be with our guests who are here this morning. I also pray that you would be with the guest speaker, Blake Purcell, this morning. I pray that you would bless them greatly um, and uh, help today's worship to be vigorous for their sakes and for all of our sakes. I pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so wisdom for dissidents. Last week, we ended the discussion here. I hope I did this right. Yes, here. So we were. So this is a little bit before our scripture reading. And we were talking about how the Jewish authorities had set themselves against the readers of the book of James. And for those of you um, who are visiting us, sorry to continually address you. Um, Jeff Meyer's work here, which I would highly recommend in uh, Wisdom for Dissidents, uh, it takes a different approach to the book of James, where he uh, is talking, he's, he believes that it was written by um, James, is it James, the, it wasn't James the Just, was it? James the Apostle. It was so long ago when we went over that. Um, but it, it wasn't James the brother of Jesus, as many believe. That's usually the accepted uh, view of James. But it was James. It was James the Apostle. Um, so it would have been. Uh, and what people say about that is, 
that it was far too early because James the Apostle was um, killed very early on. Um, he was beheaded in the book of Acts. But Jeff Myers says that there's no reason to believe that this epistle wasn't written pretty early on. They could have, the, the Jewish people were the people of the word and they would have been able to get the they would have been able to get this letter together pretty easily. James James is uh, very well spoken, and he would have been able to put it together uh, pretty easily and pretty quickly. Um, and it seems, on the reading of this, that it would have been pretty uh, uh, in tune with what the early Jewish church would have been going through. They were being persecuted by the Jewish people. And what we're discussing right now is um, the re the reaction to that, and what James has to say about it? Um, so the Jewish authorities have set themselves against the readers. Judgment is coming; did come in seventy A.D. And the language use that um, we're we're discussing, and I'll read I'll read back a little bit to discuss that. Um, but the language that we're discussing is very familiar to us if we know Isaiah. Go now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that, that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and rust, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were a fire. Um, ye have heaped measure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields. Uh, which is, I should have brought my glasses, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as, a day, as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. In this language um, is referring to the spiritual um, wealth, the spiritual uh, bounty that the Jewish church had, and now that wealth is actually um, is is actually being put forth as a witness against them, these Jewish persecutors. They were uh, the term we've been using. The term Jeff uses in his book is theocratically wealthy. Well, theocratic wealth means that God, and this is, this is my interpretation, means that God has entrusted you with his word, with his spiritual gifts. And now these were, these, uh, excuse me, spiritual gifts that the early Jewish church had are being brought forth in the epistle of James in condemnation of the uh, Jewish persecutors. And the, the language that's used is, very familiar to us, looking at Isaiah. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that hath condemned me? Lo, they all wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Isaiah 51, 7-8 Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, 
and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. And all that might seem like some uh, very dark stuff, but this is put forth to us as, a as both a warning and a message of hope. Let's see. Did I move to the next one? Okay. The robes, silver, gold, treasure, living, glorious, are now turned on the Jews to condemn them. The language that James uses, uh, that and James means Jacob, um, the language that James Jacob uses to refer to the Jews should be familiar to us as biblical language used when referring to the pagan nations and, uh, rings true to the situation. So now the Jews, and this is uh, uh, one of the big themes that we're dealing with, now the apostate uh, Jewish, Jewish leaders, their elite oppressors, are now um, become like the pagan nations. They have lost that theocratic wealth. They have squandered it. And, um, and they are going after the true believers in Christ and persecuting them. The Jewish religion had a missional duty that they refused to fulfill. And I put in parentheses there, there's some ties to Jonah here. Do you have any comments before I continue? I just, you know, I just, uh, but I think, I think that, and you're probably going to talk about it, that um, the, this document, this letter, whatever form it took, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, much of it's, much of it's uh, as he pointed out last week, much of it is uh, written in uh, almost a code so that, so, that, uh, so that it can't be used against the early church and the writers. Yeah. Yeah, we we love fighting for the truth, but we got to do it wisely. All right. So there's some ties um, to Jonah here, um, and one of I found this very interesting after reading Yuri's Yuri Brito's book, going into this book, um, because part part of the th uh, theme in Jonah is. is Jonah knew what was going on when he was going to Nineveh. He didn't want he didn't want uh, Nineveh to be the tool that God used to uh, punish Israel, to spank Israel. 
and now the and now that uh, same thing has ha uh, happened here, the the Jews, the uh, Jewish religion, uh, is now persecuting the early church. And, uh, so now the theocratic wealth has gone from them, and the early church has it. The early Christians were were um, our laborers har, are the laborers har, yeah, harvesting the field. The early Christians are the laborers whose wages have been held back. The cries of the oppressed Christian reaches the ears of the Lord. The followers of Jesus are a threat to the worldly systems of powers, and therefore, uh, I worded that weird. Therefore, are naturally at odds with the worldly powers. That's uh, one of the things I, that drew me to this title, "Wisdom for Dissidents," um, was, you know, we we are at odds with worldly powers. The ma major theme in this book, "Wisdom for Dissidents," is where do you get your power? Do you get it from above or below? We could we could be rioters charging into the Capitol building, or we could take a different approach. We don't want to use the same approach that the world does. We're at odds with that type of approach. Um, I used the quote earlier from uh, Doug Wilson. Um, it's not an oft quote, it's not an oft used quote, but I heard it and it was very poignant and he said we don't want to exchange one hell on earth for another. You know, when Christians, when uh, Christians uh, come into an area, it shouldn't just be more of the same. There should be something different there. Yeah, you know, part, part of that is that we know. We know who wins in the end. Yes. You know, no matter what we have to go through. Yes. Um, one of the one of the interesting. Uh, Psalms that I read. I, I'll read it for you real quickly. I, I used it yesterday, but I'll use it again today because it's just so uh, to that point. Should be able to find Psalms right away. Oh, I even have it marked. There's my note card. Perfect. So, just really quick, because uh, this is to your point God's in control. God's in control. It is God who guides all things. So Psalm 107 here says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works in the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth the rivers into a wilderness. Rivers into wilderness. Note that. And water springs into dry ground. Okay. And fruitfulness, fruitful land into barrenness. For the, wicked, for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. And then, we had rivers into wilderness. And then, let's see, where was I? 35. 35, thanks, Dad. Um, and then he turneth the wilderness into standing water. And dry ground into water springs. He does that too. So we had rivers into wilderness, wilderness into rivers. God controls it all. 
And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for a habitation. And sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. It's all in God's hands. He controls it all. He determines, he determines all the workings of this world. He determines when a river will turn to a wilderness and when a wilderness will turn to a wilder, a, a, a river. <laughs> we'll edit that out of the podcast. <clears throat> We've got to try to make me look smart. Um, we can take comfort. Oh, there we go. We can take comfort that our Lord is the Lord of hosts, armies. Um, and if you read the King James Version, Sabaoth, he is actively involved in the fate of nations. The oppressors will be judged. The Lord will act to defend his oppressed people. We must wait until the last day for perfect judgment. So how do we know it will all come about? Because God said so. God said it will be. So, moving on to chapter 11, and this is um, where um, my reading started this morning. We're coming to a close of the book of James. Um, we're not going to close it today. I don't have enough slides to close it today. Next week I will. And you'll see that we're summarizing a lot of the themes that are in the book of James as we push our way towards the conclusion. So... Jeff Myers, in the beginning of chapter 11, he points out that um, several things that we must believe if we're going to be patient. And I thought these were very good points that we should look at, looking at patience. And uh, after, after that, I'll open it up for some questions or comments um, for a moment, because uh, I think this is something that we should, we should discuss. So... You must first understand that the one who is asking you to wait is trustworthy. Any of us, any of us who have kids, you know, if if you tell your kid you're going to do something, and then you don't do it, I remember when uh, this, especially from when I was a preschool teacher of four-year-olds. I did that for eleven years, um, and I would often see parents say, um, "All right, we're leaving." And then the kid would start to ha have a fit. And they'd go, that's, that's one. That's one. That's one. You know what happens when I get to three. That's one. That's one. Okay, now that's two. And, you're, and, and as a teacher, I was like, they're never going to get to three. This is going to go on for hours. You know, and and the and 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 th those uh, it was interesting to see because those were always um, those were always the kids who would really really throw the fit. You know, one two three done. If you're gonna say you're gonna do it, you got to do it. Um, the wait won't be too long, and so or so long that it won't be worth your time. Now, if I if I tell my uh, two year old. You know, we're going to, you know, you know, I make some promise, we're going to do this next week. Well, that doesn't mean anything to her. 
Grace, Grace doesn't understand next week. <laughs> she, she doesn't really understand tomorrow. You know, she, she might understand before nap time. She's getting to that point, but not tomorrow. <laughs> if I say Nana's coming tomorrow, and she loves her Nana, if I say Nana's coming tomorrow, uh, she's expecting Nana that minute. So we don't bring up Nana until <laughs> Nana is coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm learning. I'm a new parent, but I'm learning. Um, you must be willing to behave yourself while waiting or forfeit the right to, it says, oh, I guess I was Irish that day, um, to what you're waiting for. Um, so, any thoughts on any of that? Yes. Yes. That's a, that's absolutely right. It's like it's like we said a couple weeks ago. He's just waiting for us to be obedient. Yes, Bob. I think the story of Jonah fits with this perfectly. Jonah was disobedient. Nineveh was still rebellious, but when he was obedient, he went and proclaimed God's word. He didn't want to, but he right. did. Yes, and God, God told Jonah what he was going to do, and Jonah wasn't said, "I'm not going to do that." He went the other way. But the funny thing about that story, you can look at it as a comedy in some ways. The, the funny thing about that story is God's, God said, "No, no matter what." You are going to be the tool that I use to do this. I have said it, and it will be done. And it will be done in whatever way I choose. And Jonah did end up going to Nineveh, and the words were true. The city was overthrown, not the way that Jonah wanted it to be. Right. Spiritually, it was overthrown. They all bent their knees to God. That was a victory. Unfortunately, Jonah didn't really seem to see it at the end of the book. But maybe he did, because we, we don't know who the writer of Jonah was. Possibly him. <laughs> In a moment of... Right. Yeah. He has said it. It will be done. Yeah. It's not it's, what, it's mm -hmm. Moving on. 
Yeah, I, yeah. Um, so these conditions that we just discussed um, are true. Wait, let me read it. Let me read it from here. I'll do better. These conditions hold true no matter who is waiting or what they're waiting for. Trust, wait time, and our behavior. That's that's one of the main points that that I'm getting from this is God will do it. It will be done. Our behavior. Are we being obedient? He is just waiting for us, the church, to be obedient to Him, to properly worship Him, to come to Him with humble hearts. It's one of the it's one of the big takeaways I've had from Wisdom for Dissidents is that humbling of yourself when you approach God. Oftentimes we like to think that you know we've got it right and aren't we so great. But that's it is only by God's mercy. For listeners of James's letter, it was imperative that they believed what James was prophesying, that God's promise was trustworthy, and that they believed that Jesus was coming soon, and that they behave appropriately. God is waiting for our obedience. Hey, look, I made that point just, just, just one slide ago. Um, so he's waiting for us to behave appropriately. The, uh, the temptation, as we've talked about, for mimetic violence, for um, acting as the world was the big, big problem that they were, they were having. They wanted revenge. They wanted to see justice met out, but they're not vigilantes. That's not how God wants us to operate. He doesn't want us to be vigilant, uh, vigilantes. He doesn't. Uh, he He wants us to trust in Him. If we if we live a life of vigilantism, if we were to go into um, the the Planned Parenthood centers and commit commit violence to stop them, then we're just creating another hell on earth. We're just doing more of the same. Summary of the themes of James thus far. We've talked a lot about blessedness of remaining patient in trials. Part of patient waiting is believing that the promised vindication is coming in a timely manner. So we're trusting in God's divine timing in these matters. And we've talked a lot about what it means to be steadfast. You know, I think of, uh, had it pointed out to me in the story of Moses and his, and his people when they um, crossed over uh, uh, the Red Sea. Before that, they got out, they got out uh, to the beach of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming. And the people of Israel started to cry out. Well, God fought for them and, and uh, saved them with a pillar of fire. And they still cried out. And it's very interesting what God says to Moses. I had this 
pointed out by a friend. Uh, what God says to Moses is, why are you crying to me? Why are you crying out to me? Go forward. It's just very interesting. Go forward. And it's like, haven't you, haven't you seen who I am? Don't you trust who I am? You saw me in the burning bush. You saw me as I defeated all of Pharaoh's gods, all of the Egyptian gods. You fought to show that I am the true God. You know who I am. Now go forward. That's remaining steadfast. Or at least it's God's command to remain steadfast. Um, we had this uh, interesting illusion that Jeff used, and uh, this is going to be the last slide of the day. Um, he he uh, used Jesus in the pickle jar, and what that's referring to is there's a novel that I'm not I'm not actually familiar with at all, but Jeff talked about it, and it was I believe it was called Mojo in a pickle jar, and in this novel there's a, they have a pickle jar, and inside of it is the heart of Mary, and they and if they go in into that pickle jar, they can manipulate it. And I'm probably butchering the story because I am not familiar with it, but they can manipulate it and changes things uh, in the universe. Well, he used that idea um, to illustrate that God is not our genie in the bottle. He is not at our beck and call. Our patience is based on the fact that God has said it, and it will be done. Wow, I've been saying that a lot today. Yeah, God has said it, and it will be done. God determines the when and the how. It is our portion to obey, wait, and trust. Like the farmer, like we read about in our very first opening scripture, like the farmer who plants and toils, our work might seem meaningless at the planting, but we can be sure that it will bring forth fruit. When a farmer plants, you have nothing, uh, if you see a freshly planted garden, it looks like nothing but dirt. Now what's going to happen? What's going to happen here? You know, and and you, you could boast about it to your friends. See this garden? I just planted it today. Well, it's a bunch of dirt and you've got some tarp over it. You know, we'll see. But come summer, come most years, not, not this year, but <laughs> most years, uh, come, come summer, come 4th of July, I have a small little garden bed and it just is bursting forth with Edenic life. And it's amazing. Um, Sally laughed at me last week because I was talking about how... Uh, E easy it is to plant. She's like, is it really so easy? Easier than it was 200 years ago. You know, we go to the store, buy seeds, put them in the ground. You know, we, we have pests that we have to deal with, um, but we also have tools to deal with that. We have weeds that grow. We have tools to deal with that. It's getting better. This world is getting more Edenic. But the point is, when we first plant, when we first do the work, we have to be patient. We have to trust that something's going to happen. 
And if, in a few months, we'll see. And that's what that's what I'll leave you with today. Um, I'll open this up to discussion if, if there is anybody who has any points they want to make. Um, but we are over time right now. But the final point I want to make is, as I've been saying, we will win. We do win out at the end of history. History is going from, we went from the garden to the wilderness, and we're going back to the great garden city. That's how history culminates, the great garden city at the end of history. And with that being said, we know that we win. Let's give it a couple hundred years. Give it time. Might not happen in my time. Might not happen in my daughter's lifetime. But it will happen. Give it a couple hundred years. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not going to culminate, but we're looking for progress. Not going to culminate in a couple hundred years, but <laughs> we're looking for progress. You know, sometimes things look dim. Sometimes they look bad. Sometimes we look around at the world and we could be tempted to despair. As the psalmist says, how long, O Lord? Yes, absolutely. Any more thoughts before I close in prayer? kind of reminds me of uh, like Romans 13 in the context of that where AD 70 is about to happen mm -hmm. and basically it's Paul saying like you know hold fast and like don't get involved in this war that's about to happen between the Jews and the Romans. Like, yeah. God's coming with vengeance in his eye. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want you to get in the way. And he, Caesar wants to look at you know you, you want God to look at well, you want Caesar to look at, like, you're the kind of Christian that pays your taxes, upstanding citizen, mm -hmm. and not getting in the way. And then, you know, they flee to Judea and the whole thing happens. But um, I think in our time now, like you were saying, like, just having that patience and knowing and trust and, uh, and yeah, letting the vengeance be the Lord's with that, with everything. And we, we, how he wins is making us a footstool at his feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just kind of resonated with me when I saw that. Yeah. Romans 13. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting dynamic uh, about, about that uh, situation with eighty seventy and uh, Paul's exhortation to uh, the people. Because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, typi typically when the Jewish people were um, take, taken out um, to other nations, they were told to plant... They're told to have gardens and build houses, and you, we see this this thing building up to eighty-seven, where it's like, get out of there, <laughs> you know, don't don't build gardens there, don't build homes there, get out of there. God's wrath was coming, and it's coming quick. Um, with yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just such an interesting dynamic. Oh, over here we're planting gardens. Nope, get out of there. Get out. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer.
Bob West, would you pray for us? Amen.